This is the Adorning the Dark podcast. My name is Ken, and today we're going to carry on our series of looking through the Bible at all the creative ways that we can express ourselves that would still remain biblically authentic. Join us today. So in today's segment, we're going to talk about the book of the Song of Solomon. And... uh, basically love poetry and as artists especially as as writers musicians um love and sex are kind of ripe topics for for a lot of kind of modern music um whether it be lovers scorned or being in love but it's it's a, a very interesting and and broad topic and you know there's biblical basis for us as christians who want to be biblically authentic and biblically faithful to talk about things such as sex and love in a way that celebrates it um, which which is really really cool often as Christians we we kind of don't want to talk about sex it's one of those things that we kind of don't talk about Um, so yeah good place for us to start talking about the Song of Songs Um, so let's read a bit of a kind of history Um, about it. So the Song of Songs, also known as the Song of Solomon or the Canticles, is one of the scrolls found in the last section of the Tanakh, known as the Ketuvim or Writings in a book of the Old Testament. The Song of Songs is unique in the Hebrew Bible that it shows no interest in law or covenant or the God of Israel, nor does it teach or explore wisdom like Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. Although it does have some affinities to wisdom literature, as described in Solomon, as the ascription to Solomon indicates, instead it celebrates sexual love, giving the voice of two lovers praising each other, yearning for each other, uh, preferring invitations to enjoy each other. The two are in harmony, each desiring each other and rejoicing in sexual intimacy. The women of Jerusalem form a chorus to the lovers, functioning as an audience whose participation in the lovers' erotic encounters facilitates the participation of the reader. In modern Judaism, the song is read on the Sabbath during the Passover, which marks the beginning of the grain harvest as well as commemorating the exodus from Egypt. Jewish tradition reads it as an allegory uh, of the relationship between God and Israel. Christianity as an allegory as between Christ and his bride, the church. So, uh, the structure is widespread consensus. that the, Although the book has no plot, it does have what can be called a framework as indicated by the links between the beginning and the end. Beyond this, however, there appears little to be little agreement. Attempts to find uh, a structure have not been compelling. Attempts to analyze it into units have been uh, arrived at different results. The following scheme uh, is taken as indicative rather than determinative. There's an introduction, which is one, uh, chapter one, verses 1 to 6, dialogue between the lovers, chapter 1, 7 to 2, verse 7, woman recalls a visit from a lover, 2, verse 8 um, to 17, the woman addresses the daughters of Zion, 3, 1 to 5, citing a royal wedding procession, 3, verses 6 to 11, the man describes his lover's beauty, 4, verse 1 to 5, verse 1, the woman addresses the daughters of Jerusalem, 5, verse 2 to 6, verse 4, the man describes his lover who visits him, 6, verse 5 to 12. Observers describe the woman's beauty. 6 verse 13 to 8 verse 
4. And then there's an appendix, uh, 8 verse 5 to 14. Introduction calls the poem The Song of Songs, a construction commonly used in scriptural Hebrew to show something as the greatest, almost beautiful of its class, as in the Holy of Holies. The poem proper begins with the woman's expression of desire for her lover and her self-description of the Jew to the daughters of Jerusalem. She insists that her son born blackness, likening it to the tents of Kedar and the curtains of Solomon. A dialogue between the two lovers follows. The woman asks the man to meet. He replies with a lightly teasing tone. Did you compete offering flattering compliments? Um, the section closes the woman telling the daughters of Jerusalem not to stir up such love as hers until it is ready. The woman recalls a visit from her lover in the springtime. She uses imagery of a shepherd's life, saying she says of her lover that he pastures his flock amongst the lilies. The woman again dresses the daughter of Jerusalem, describing her fervent and ultimately successful search for her lover through the nighttime streets of the city. Where she finds him, she takes him almost by force to the chamber in which her mother conceived her. She reveals that this is a dream, seen on her bed at night, and ends again, warnings to the daughter of Jerusalem not to stir up love until it is ready. The next section reports a royal wedding procession. Solomon is mentioned by name, and the daughters of Jerusalem are invited to come out and see the spectacle. The man described his beloved in various ways. Um, section is like a, a garden poem. Um, he says that he's ravished by a single glance. A woman invites the man to enter a garden and taste its fruits. The man accepts his invitation. The third party tells him to eat, drink, be drunk with love. The woman tells the daughter of Jerusalem another dream. She was in her chamber and her lover knocked. She was slow to open. When she did, he was gone. She searched through the streets again. This time she failed to find him and the watchman who had helped her before now beat her. She asked the daughters of Jerusalem to help her find him. Describes his physical good looks. Eventually she admits her lover is in his garden, safe from harm, and committed to her as she is to him. The man describes his beloved and the woman describes a rendezvous that they shared. It's, uh, People praise the beauty of the woman. Images are the same as those used throughout the poem, but with unusual dense use of place names, such as the pools of Hebron, the gate of Bath Rabbin, the Tower of Damascus. The man states his intention to enjoy the fruits of the woman's garden. Um, the woman invites him into a tryst in the field. Once more, warns the daughter of Jerusalem against waking love until it is ready. The woman compares love and death to, and Sheol. Love is restless and jealous because the two cannot be quenched by any force. She summons her lover using the language used before, that he should come like a gazelle or a young stag upon the mountain spices. So, as we can see, it's quite a dense um, use of kind of the celebration of love and sex and kind of desire. And, you know, it's very interesting to, to see that this particular thing, this particular book, has no real talk about god in it there's quite a few places in the bible that quite interestingly are not focused on god and his glory and song of solomon's being one of them not saying that god is absent in sex and love and desire quite the opposite but um this book is a celebration of sex and what's i take that throughout you know um scripture is that if, if this is important enough to include in scripture that kind of sex and desire and um, appreciating your your partner or your loved one's um, attributes these are good things these are good things that we 
as Christians can celebrate, can talk about, and can you know use in our artistic endeavors to do. Um, you know, it's this is is poetry, and that we can we can use this language in such a better way than than kind of it's used elsewhere. Um, another very interesting thing to note is that. You know, this this is normally attributed to to Solomon, um, who had quite a few wives. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of ironic that it this was written. This kind of celebration of love was written by one of the men, who kind of was uh, had too many uh, partners and kind of whose destruction kind of was sealed by the fact that he married so many women and and kind of took their their gods you know um interesting i interesting idea interesting thoughts move back in a second you are listening to the adorning the dog podcast Uh, we are available on spotify and anchor you can join the discussion at www.facebook.com forward slash adorning the dog so i think christianity um has given sex bad pr you know uh, in terms of that sex is bad and um, kind of sex all these sorts of things you know and and yeah the world has has told itself that it's had the sexual revolution and sexual liberation and people can do what they want as long as they're consenting and uh, all these different things. We listen to music and it's all about having sex and sex with whoever you want and sexual freedom and you know, wanting to, to do things with either your lover or other people or all together and there's so many different ways that the world talks about sex in movies um, you know constantly used as there was a when Game of Thrones came out there was a thing where they used to um, you during a sex scene explain a lot of kind of the law of what was going on so you couldn't kind of skip it but they were using sex kind of as a background um, and all these different things that kind of, um, I think they're called sex position, exposition. Uh, and it's just interesting way of, of using sex that the world has kind of pushed front and center. I mean, you can't walk down the road without seeing a half naked lady on a billboard. You can't sell, um, a towel or a piece of paper without some scantily clad person or sex or sexualizing it. So the strawberry, it's been placed erotically in a woman's mouth so sex sells and as christians we're often afraid to kind of even start talking about um, sex or the health of of good sex which is something that as as christians and as people we're called to do and called to have you know in a committed monogamous relationship um but in the arts we are so scared of approaching this topic and when we do we sound cliched 
we sound old-fashioned. And as you can read through something like Song of Solomon's, it's passionate. It's two people who desire each other strongly. And sure, they're using language that is not necessarily um, the best in terms of where we understand it. Like if someone says, I have the neck of a camel or teeth of a goat, I would take that as an insult. But in the context of from which it comes, um, you know, it's the Hebrew is much more descriptive language than kind of English or what it's been translated into. So the the challenge comes from how do we, as Christians, take these truths and take what we've learnt you know, through the Word of God and understanding that God's way is better than our way and that God's perspective on things is intimately better than ours. Um, and how do we... How do we change that? How do we how do we learn these things? How do we how do we express these things in such a way um, that is helpful? You know, um, I think that's the the interesting part of the discussion. <coughs> how do we as Christians display through our songs, through our writing, through our words, through our paintings? that sex is good, a desire is good, um, and still be artistically creative, still be artistically relevant compared to what's kind of been said in the world, you know. And I just think that's a interesting part of the discussion, you know. Can we somehow kind of discuss that, you know, that that language between lovers is important, you know. Um, if you go through the Song of Solomons, you know, it's this progression of a relationship, you know, where they're kind of uh, really kind of putting their, their best foot forward, their words are f sweet and full of compliments to each other, uh, and they're deliriously happy over their growing affection, uh, they long for another, one another in an intimate way. You know, sometimes there's restraint uh, in there, but there's there's this kind of picture of kind of the growth of love and intimacy in relationship, um, and where to restrain and where not to restrain, and is that not something that as artists we can explore in the way that we kind of um, talk? I mean, heck, if you look just in, in the realms of, of Christian worship music, Song of Solomon's has inspired a song like You Won't Relent by Jesus Culture, you know, where you place a seal over your heart, seal your arm for love as strong as death, jealousy of the of the grave. You know, there's things like that, that we can use that, that kind of image of, of love, whether it be not only just between a man and woman, but use that image of, of God's love for us. Um... You know, what, are we able to do that? How can we explain that? You know, um, you know, we can we can celebrate just love between two people. You know, um, 
Yeah, so Psalm 2, verse 4, lead me to the banquet hall, let his banner over me be love. It's just that declaration of, of love for each other. And how can we how can we take this these descriptions of love and kind of um, show that in beautiful ways to people? You know, that God that we love each other, you know, in, in a a sexual way just as much as God loves us you know and uh, yeah it's it's different ways that we could can explore um, these things you know different ways that we can explore the truth of what it means to to have a natural healthy sexual relationship in terms of being a Christian, you know, and also, I mean, there's, there's warnings throughout Song of Solomon's, like, you know, 2 verse 15, catch for us the foxes, little foxes that were the vineyards, you know, that kind of um, call for us to explore, what does it mean to kind of truly love someone, to get rid of the things that kind of distract us from, for kind of true love for each other, for the stumbling blocks, um, yeah, it's specifically referring to kind of a romantic relationship, but can be used in any any relationship as well. Um, and you know, the the potential disruptor will put a wedge in a relationship could be like any of the foxes that seek to run the vineyard, ambition, kind of lust in the wrong place, unforgiveness, jealousy, mistrust. You know, and the, the way that we can just kind of explore that, you know, um, artistically and authentically. We have that freedom, as as Christian creatives, to explore sex in a creative way, and I think that's a a wonderful um, I think it's a wonderful kind of opportunity that we have, you know, in order to explore. You know, we can explore what is. Um, you know, if we take it into to what we as Christians believe about sex to be, to kind of be in the in the context of, of marriage, you know, we can authentically and creatively explore these things about, you know, giving into each other and loving each other and secure each other, uh, you know, stuff like that that we that we can do. Um, yeah, you know, that we can explore all of the things that that kind of make up um, what is good and healthy in a relationship, you know. The Bible says everything's permissible, allowable and lawful for me, but not all things are helpful, good for me to do, expedient or profitable when considered against other things. Everything is lawful, we will not become a slave of anything we are brought under its power, you know, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12. So, you know, just knowing that we can explore those things and exploring what is helpful you know and profitable and what's not um, I just think it's it's a fertile ground for us to kind of um, for us to kind of look at you know you know we can we can definitely explore in sex things like you know what
you know, just explore these kind of things like, you know, sex as procreation, recreation, connection, rejuvenation, proclamation, you know, all these different ways that that kind of uh, sex can be, um, yeah, that it's, it's vital, uh, for a couple, you know, um, and just these different things that we can explore, um, you know, the truth of these things. So, yeah, I just kind of um, would encourage us to explore these, these things about about sex in a healthy way and what is healthy sex and that we as Christians are allowed to believe that we can have healthy sex in a way that is different to the way the world declares what sex is. You know, it's just this do what you want whenever you want kind of uh, mentality and as Christians where we can have this biblical precedent in Song of Solomon's and obviously throughout scripture that sex can be this this kind of um, explored you know in the art medium you know as desire as kind of two people wanting each other and the journey they go through that and that is okay for us as Christians to explore and talk about and it's not a shameful thing to talk about because I think we have shamed sex I guess, you know, uh, to be so different from the world, we sometimes shame it, you know, can't talk about sex, well, sex is dirty, and it's not, it's, it's wonderfully healthy, and as Christian creatives, you know, we can write those love songs, we can write those novels that talk about, about love and sex in a healthy way, God made the human body, the human body is beautiful, and I'm not promoting pornography, I'm not promoting um, kind of senseless sex or anything like that. That's not what I'm promoting. I'm not promoting smut, but I'm saying that we can definitely explore this um, in our creative endeavors because there is a biblical precedent for us to do so. So, yeah, that's my encouragement that we can we can really explore these truths and we can creatively express them through our singing, our songwriting our filmmaking, our painting, and that is just a wonderful thing that we can, are able to do. You've been listening to the Adorning the Dark podcast. We are available on Spotify and on Anchor. You can join the discussion at www.facebook.com forward slash Adorning the Dark podcast. you are enjoying this these discussions kind of going through scriptures um, and just finding out the the biblical precedents for for what we can biblically authentically talk about you know I sometimes think as Christians we get stuck in Christian tradition um, more than biblical kind of tradition and biblical accuracy and it's become so crystal clear to me the more I read the Bible there are so many things that are spoken about, um, you know, and, and ways of speaking about things that are just helpful and healthy for us as Christians to really adorn this dark world with, you know. Um, you know, today we spoke about about sex, you know, and sex is generally a taboo subject in in the church, or at least the church that I know of. 
it is becoming more spoken about, but it's it's not celebrated in the way that it should be in a healthy way, um, because it in marriage and in the right context, uh, it is a beautiful beautiful thing. <coughs> you know when it's out of context, it is incredibly destructive. You know pornography, um, mommy porn, you know romantic comedies, all that sort of stuff are horribly, horribly destructive. Um, Not to mention really destructive things such as sexual abuse and molestation and all these horrible things. And I think as Christians, we need to be biblically authentic in the way that we express these gifts that God has given us. You know, the Bible doesn't say, don't have sex. It clearly says that as Christians, we can have sex. And obviously as Christians... That's in a committed uh, relationship in marriage. In the context of marriage, you know, we can't take away that truth you know, and say it's okay for Christians just to kind of do as they please, because that's not being biblically authentic either. And um, there are so many things that God speaks about in His Word, then ways that God speaks about it. And I just want to commend all of us to that freedom that God has given us to, to speak about these things, to speak about the beauty um, of what God has done in so many mediums, you know, from songwriting, po- poetry, to writing, to the prophetic language, uh, the high fantasy and kind of almost horror language of books like Revelations and the Prophets. There are so many ways we can express, um, you know, artisanal, creative ways that we can use so i really hope that people are encouraged that they can they can take these truths as christians and we have so much freedom to express them in a biblically authentic way and i really want to encourage us to explore that open up our bibles and learn what an amazingly creative amazing god that we serve and how we can biblically and authentically share and speak about these things thank you for your time i hope somehow in the mess and the unprofessionalism of everything i'm doing that somehow these truths kind of come out and are expressed properly love you all i'm ken i'm out You've been listening to the Adorning the Dark podcast. My name is Ken, and today we've been talking through the Bible and the creative ways that we can express various things. And uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining me as we go through these various topics. And uh, yeah, stay safe up there. Cheers, Ken. Mm-hmm.